and welcome to another episode of Planning People, the anime podcast. This week I'm joined by the Managing Director of Advisor Tech Firm Money Info to discuss technology and advice and everything else. Money Info provides a host of different tech solutions for the wealth management marketplace, including all sorts of fun portals and tools. It's MD Tessa Lee joins me today. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good stuff. Uh, now Tessa, you're fairly bullish, uh, so I read, about the so-called advice gap aren't you? So for listeners, that's the supposed gap between the number of people who might benefit from seeing a financial advisor versus those that actually can and do. So we're going to discuss all of that and more in a moment. But before we do, I must, by podcast law, one of my own making, subject you to the weekly rock hard quiz. Uh, I've done a quiz on gaps before, the advice gap, uh, with guests. So I didn't want to repeat that this week. So this week, I thought I'd, I'd pull together five statements uh, of life advice from famous people and see if you can guess who said what. Now, this is difficult, but I hope it will be a, an interesting trip down, uh, down the corridors of pointless fact. <laughs> um, so see if you can guess who said what. Some okay. of these quotations are quite fun. Short ones to start off with. Are you, you going to give me any clues? Are you going to make this I'll, really difficult? I'll or? give you clues. Okay, I'll I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind and generous host, I will, so I would like to think. Uh, number one is, never, ru never ruin an apology with an excuse. Who said that? Think America and think founding fathers. Oh. Um. Oh, God. Washington? Close. Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he is also quoted as saying, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn, which I thought was quite, uh, qu quite a nice little uh, phrase for managers, actually, people managing other people. Mm. It's a good summary of how to manage people. Food for thought. Uh, question two. As I, did say, as I did say in our briefing, if you get one question right, that does demand maximum respect. This is the rock hard quiz. <laughs> uh, question two. Don't believe anything you read on the net except this. Well, including this, I suppose. Think literature. Think kind of wacky sci-fi. Think famous film made of this featuring kind of robots and space and hitchhiking. Oh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy guy. Uh, who is? Whose name escapes me totally. Douglas Adams. That's him. I love I Douglas Adams. I was about Adams. to say that. Yeah. He, I think he is so cool. Or was. I think he, has he passed away? I should have researched that. Um, he wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, among other excellent stories. Uh, also, a fact that I have included on this podcast before, but just to remind listeners at home, he, uh, he was a friend of Pink Floyd guitarist David Gilmour. Uh, David Gilmour, obviously, Pink Floyd, a uh, kind of prog rock band that dealt in all sorts of time and space style concepts. So it's really, really nice to listen to their music and think that maybe that inspired a few of Douglas Adams' ideas. Don't say I don't spoil you with, with information. <laughs> uh, question three. This is a little bit, little bit trickier, but it's a great quote. Don't ever take down a fence until you know why it was put up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I just think it's such a great quote. <laughs> American poets. Oh, God. Um, this is tricky. I've got no idea. It's Robert Frost, who I'd actually not I don't even come know across who that is. before. He was also quoted as saying, in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on, which I just think is really, really poetic. In fact, this makes me think of, uh, do you know Matt Haig, the, uh, the author who wrote, uh, uh, is it the books about... Um, 
the books about living with depression and stuff like that. No. He um, he has this thing that he writes about on Twitter where it's uh, he basically says, if you're feeling really down in the dumps and you can't cope with the day or whatever, it, it really helps to, to read books of quotations because they're so uh, easily digestible and you don't have to spend all the time and effort like reading chapters and chapters of, of stuff, which I think is really useful. And as I was putting this together, that reminded me of that. I do find a lot, a lot of this stuff very inspiring. Uh, number four, I love this. Never miss a good chance to shut up. Advice I should perhaps buy by <laughs> sometimes. Uh, never miss a good chance. This to is this up. is really tough. I do know that did know this is guy. Is it going to be someone I've never heard of again? American stage and motion picture actor actor. Oh, like a movie star, you mean? Yeah. Okay. But a really old one. Oh. So that ha- kind of Harry pushes Grant. it. Close, actually. It's Will Rogers, uh, who was born in 1879 and died in 1935. Mm. Good knowledge of your American actors, I have to say. Well, that, is, that could have been the only one I know from... I think that deserves ago, a bonus point. Uh, <laughs> he is also quoted as saying, never let yesterday use up too much of today. A reminder that we shouldn't dwell too much on the past. Uh, and finally, question five. Always and never are two words you should always remember never to use. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is impossible. I shouldn't have put this one in because it is so impossible. American psychologists. Oh, I'm really hot on American psychologists. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, no, I'm really not. It's apparently know. Wendell Johnson who also oh, good said, old Wendell. "Good old Wendell," yeah. who also said, "While waiting for a Moses to lead us into the Promised Land, we have forgotten how to walk." I'm surprised you didn't have any, like, Kardashian quotes in there or something. Do you know what? I once did put Kardashian quotes into a quiz with a a very famous intergenerational expert, (laughs) Dr. Eliza Philby. And if if you do want to listen to that episode from about October or November last year, check it out. It is on the website. Um, (laughs) That concludes our pointless trip down the labyrinthine corridors of pointless and irrelevant facts. Tessa, thank you for humouring me. Uh, it was a rock. You're very welcome. That was very difficult. Yeah. I apologise. Uh, we'll move on to what we were supposed to be talking about, which <laughs> is advice and technology. Um, no doubt you will feel much more comfortable talking about this. Uh, so I've sort of set you up nicely, I think. Uh, my first question for you is a bit of a, bit of a devil's advocate one. Mm. Uh, every time we write a story about technology, uh, singing its praises or otherwise, uh, someone in our comment boards gets really aggy and says, I don't need a website, I don't need any of this tech nonsense, I have loads of clients that I get from referrals, my business model is really simple, I'm perfect, yada, yada, yada. Um, what's Money Info's stance on that? Why, why are they wrong? Well, I, I think it's fair enough for them to have that opinion. However, um, I think... Advice firms have been perhaps stung by technology in the past. You know, they, they've implemented technology and ended up not using much of it at all. They've got frustrated with it. Mm. It's not easy to bring new technology into a business. Um, people like to carry on doing the same stuff that they've always done. Mm. But I think, you know, good advice businesses out there will realize how much technology can support and complement the advice and services that they're giving. Um, And that with some effort, and there is always effort to put in, it's not just a case of, you know, put it up on the web and people start using it. um, You can really start to transform your business and get something out of it. So um, I would say um, to those firms that, you know, 
rethink this, particularly because you you may have always done things the same way, but at some point, you know, the the world is moving on. Your clients' expectations have changed. Your mm. clients are using technology. It doesn't matter whether they're 55 or 75. My dad's tapping and swiping his way through the world on his tablet at 72 years old. So, <laughs> you know, I know that these, you know, my clients are all older. They won't use technology. Yeah. We're not we're not seeing that. The biggest demographic of clients that we have at Money Info is, of course, between around 55 to 75 because they're all dealing with financial advice firms and, and wealth managers, and that's their typical client demographic. So mm. I think they need to think about supporting what their clients are doing yeah. and also think about future-proofing their business because yeah. there is a, a vast amount of wealth that's going to be transferred over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, estimates either, range between like one and seven trillion pounds. Exactly, and either you hope you die before your clients do, in which mm. case maybe you will be okay, but if you're not going to, you've got to think about how you're going to connect with your future clients and how you're going to incubate those clients. Yeah. Um, and technology is a great way to, to do that for you. Um, I was quite struck by something that you said in our conversation before we started recording, which is that you know, clients are dying to leave their advice firms. Could you explain for our listeners what you meant by I mean, that? literally passing away <laughs> dying to leave yeah. them because you know they are getting older mm. and they're going to be passing on that wealth and if your clients you know dependents are maybe at university age maybe they were in university in edinburgh and they're now working up there and your clients based down south somewhere mm. they're not necessarily going to come to dad's financial advisor um, to to seek some help when they inherit that money. You know, they're going to get on Google, they're going to use apps. That's, that's what they're going to be doing. So if you can connect to them before that happening happens mm. with your own digital client experience, with your own technology, yeah. then it's a wise move because, you know, then you're securing that, that those assets for the future so that you can continue to advise on them. Mm. Um, it sounds like your dad's quite good at tech. I am personally... No, he's not. Really? He's really not. Okay, well, maybe he and I should have a pint. But it's quite, you know, <laughs> this stuff isn't that difficult. No. You know, he's he's better than my mom, admittedly, who thinks that, you know, she's lost word when she's minimised it at the bottom of the screen. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he finds it easy and he's never known, he's never known laptops or desktops. He's only ever had a tablet and a smartphone. So mm. it just shows that, you know, you can get the engagement because the, they're much easier to use, aren't they? Little case study for you. I mean, that's funny you mentioned that. My own mother, bless her soul, she doesn't know that you can save a file as a download and organise which folder it goes in. Mm -hmm. So, and still to this day, she doesn't know that. And she downloaded so much uh, crap from viruses and crippling malware onto our computer that we actually had to have it replaced at cost of huge amounts of money. Um, she's awful at tech. I think advisors are a bit better than that at tech. Mm. But and and I'm no coder, so I'm not going to throw you know stones in this regard. But I wonder, do they actually need to get a little bit better at tech? Do they actually need to get a little bit better at understanding the idea of software, the idea of coding languages, how all of this is put together, so that they're more informed when it comes to making these choices um, and they can see the benefits more? I don't think they do, actually. I okay. think that's our job. I think our job is to take 
responsibility and to look after the tech side of things you know to take feedback from our users and to understand what they're asking for what they need what they want and to build it for them and also to support it for them mm. one of the key challenges that advice firms face with their technology is data yeah. and historically and still today a lot of advisor firms have pretty inaccurate pretty poor data within their systems that is very hard to manage and very hard to keep on top of and we take the stance at money info that it's our job to do that we're an aggregator of data it's mm. our job to make sure it's clean it's our job to collect it from the source it comes from yeah and if it goes wrong which it does because integrations do files don't appear things are missing credentials are wrong whatever it happens to be we need to sort that out for them their job is just to understand that a, what it can do for them as a firm and to look at what they want to achieve as a business and fit the technology to that. And to understand that you're always going to have to put some effort into implementation and adoption. Mm. Um, but if you do, you will reap the benefits of that. Mm. So um, I, I wouldn't say that they need to be more technically minded any okay. more than I need to be more technically minded about the intricacies of, you know, retirement planning or, yeah. or, or whatever it happens to be. That, that's what they do. It's our job to look after the tech side. Interesting, because, I mean, I have three things following up, following on from that. Number one would be GDPR. Number two mm -hmm. would be cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And number three would be advisors dealing with providers whose own data processes are so utterly crap that it causes them, you know, all manner of uh, heartache. So starting with number one, I mean, GDPR, these sorts of tools, they're a way of, you know, you can sleep at night with this sort of stuff taken you know, under control by a decent technology provider, can't you, when it comes to client data yes. and stuff? Yes, and I guess the most important thing from, from a GDPR perspective is how you communicate with your clients going forward. There are still far too many advice firms using email to send out client communications, to send out sensitive financial reports, to send out fact finds, to send out quarterly portfolio yeah. evaluations. Should that be outlawed? Yeah. Uh, well... Email is always going to have a place yeah. for some communications, but our stance is very much, you should take your client communications off email. It is by far the most likely way a business will get compromised or hacked today is yeah. via email. Um, we know that from all the all the stats that are out there. So if you can take that away and communicate securely through your with your clients, there are things like secure email, but secure mm. email is notoriously difficult to use for a client, and it puts a, a barrier in the way. Um, so if you can communicate securely through a portal like Money Info, you are taking care of that. You know, you are um, putting out there that you are looking after your client's data, that data privacy is at the heart of what you do. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of the things that's, you know, that's out there in the GDPR legislation that, that it's a good idea to do this. Yeah. Um, so I think from a communications point of view, it's really important for GDPR that firms get this right. And that sort of answers the cybersecurity question too, because I know, uh, I can't remember when this was precisely, but I would say roughly three years ago, we had uh, the first ever uh, IFA who uh, to appear on NMA way back in 2005, uh, who I've recently just profiled actually, uh, he got in touch with us to say, we've just been hacked. We've just had uh, ransomware put mm -hmm. on our uh, internal servers and you know, they're threatening us with, you know, basically they're blackmailing us uh, for, I think I think it was something like £25,000 to mm -hmm. unlock it all. And they didn't pay, uh, and in the end the whole thing was sorted out, but, uh, you know, a huge, extraordinary cost to their business because of the increased professional indemnity uh, premium. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it really does have a practical impact. And I remember seeing an email from him saying, you know, we sorted this out and thank God we're still in business. You know, we had to really take a hit on, you know, our excess uh, on the sort of terms and conditions of our insurance policy. Um, but this really does have a practical impact. And I think in a cottage industry, or some, what sometimes can feel like a cottage industry, like financial planning, there is this tendency to isolate uh, you know, oneself and say, well, you know, the world is out there, we're here, actually we're pretty secure. I'm sure that's probably the case, relatively speaking, because the amount of data that they handle is relatively small compared to your big banks, your big providers. And they, you know, they're sort of hidden from you, view, if you like. But I think there are certain vulnerabilities that mm -hmm. advice firms have. And, uh, you know, lack of staffing may be one, lack of budgets for this sort of thing may be one too. So in a way, they are a target. And I don't think we've really had much of a conversation, you know, since that big story about, you know, cybersecurity. We've had a couple of people present at events about it. But, you know, it's always good to keep that sort of agenda mm. rolling because I don't, I don't think we really talk about it enough. And we have firms that use, you know, the communications aspect of the portal, not just documents and secure messaging but custom content to deliver information to their clients about cybersecurity. Mm. you know we'll provide some templated articles for them about how to stay safe online yeah. they can put that out to their clients Scams. very easily so it's a nice way for them to not only provide the security of a portal for those communication that information but also to reinforce to their clients what they should and shouldn't be doing yeah sure um, because you know that's what we can help with i know that you have a number of financial planning qualifications yourself and you know i think that's amazing to kind of from to, a long time ago from a long time <laughs> ago but you know to sort of understand this from the cold face i think you know that makes sense in a you know in the marketplace to be able to understand you know the the way that your clients or your customers look at these things is there any way in which you know this sort of technology can be used actually to enhance uh you know the learning process the cpd stuff that actually advisors do from a sort of b2b perspective is there is there much going on there because i mean cpd for our readers it's very much you know go to conferences there's some stuff online that you can sort of get an online certificate for mm -hmm. you know 30 minutes work or something is there is there much out there in the marketplace in terms of apps and tech to sort of enhance their learning processes rather than just being sat in an exam hall or um know, i think there textbook? are there are technologies out there that support that in the kind of um regulatory tech type type arena the compliance mm. technology type arena um that help with um advisors keeping their learning up to date mm. um even helping them through gdpr stuff that there were, were solutions out there to help them understand that. I don't think it's something Money Info specifically does because we're all about engaging with the client and your kind of digital client experience, um, albeit we do present at kind of events for, for CPD uh, about technology. Yeah. Um, but certainly there are, there are technologies out there that can help. Mm. Um, I mentioned a couple of moments ago this sort of issue of providers. You know, that's got to be one of the biggest stories that we've covered in the last two, three years has been particularly the platform providers, but pension providers too, though there is overlap, uh, basically just taking bloody ages to do anything. And time and time again, we have conversations with advice firms. They say, you know, we have the client in the office. We set up this relationship. We start the initial fact find. It feels like there's momentum there. And then they hit the provider wall where it is just impossible to get hold of the documentation in anything less than like, I don't know, a month. Um, how sort of where does where does the provider role come into this and and does does money info help to smooth that process can it help to smooth the process in an ideal world should it help to smooth the yeah, process yeah i think it should and i think it can and because it it is a way of 
keeping that communication with your client going. So if you've got a gap between your client investing, you know, their, their money with you and then yeah. it, it coming, you know, back from the provider with the relevant documentation, you know, that's where your client portal is a way of communicating that because what you don't want is your client keeping having to chase you about what's happening with this. Yeah. You can do that through the portal. You can use messaging. You can use notifications. Um, you can keep them engaged with other things along the way. You know, you mm. can send out your newsletter to them. You can give them an yeah. update of the status of where their application's got to. You can ask them for information that you need to help with anti-money laundering or whatever it happens to be. So you can smooth that journey and almost do the admin through your portal. Um, and then at the point that the provider information does come back, you know, Money Info will connect with that platform or provider and bring in the portfolio details so that it's all there for the client and they can see it, yeah. see it on the portal. So certainly it can help smooth that process. I'm not sure we can help at this stage speed up the providers. That's something no. that, you know, they have to work on. But yeah. certainly we can help with making sure the client stays informed at all parts of that process. And in terms of clients providing you with, uh, you know, providing you uh, money info or their advisors, uh, you know, with that information, and mm -hmm. uh, where are we at with, you know, the APIs and open banking and mm -hmm. ensuring that those sort of softwares and the connectivity really, really work seamlessly and you know, um, there's oversight there. We're in a good place now, I think. It, it has come on leaps and browns, as any technologies do. It, it, it's fast-growing, isn't it? It's quite fast-paced. Yeah. Um, we have um, APIs available now so that Money Info and your back office or CRM are communicating and connecting with each other. We obviously connect and integrate with platforms and providers. We have things to help the advice process, like digital signatures um, integrated into the portal so that client agreements or terms of business or whatever it happens to be can be um, signed by the client through that. They can uh, take a scan of their documentation via their advisor's app um, and scan it straight into the advisor's portal mm. and pass it through to the advisor so that they can get the documentation easily as well as bringing their own documentation in. Mm. And open banking, of course, is now um, starting to mature um, so that we can connect through banking APIs with people's um, bank accounts, credit cards. Um, but it doesn't have the best coverage right now. There's a long way to go with it. So we can use other methods to connect with their data yeah. as well. Because what your client wants really is a, an aggregated view of all of their financial information in one place. Yeah. Um, so we do that with lots of different methods. Open banking is, is just one of those. What's next for the, you know, you, you say that you've made quite a lot of progress. Do you have a kind of a, an outlook as a business for the next five years, 10 years for where that might go next and where you would like to be able to take the product? Um, our focus is, is always on how we support our advice firms in the processes and the services and the advice processes that they are delivering to your to their clients. So from a roadmap perspective, we work with our advisors to, to talk about the things that they have to do in their business and how we can make those easier and simpler and quicker. Yeah. So that might be onboarding, um, it might be fact finding, it might be supporting the planning process. And that, of course, involves us integrating with other systems and delivering information um, and really working on how advisors can take the, the pain out of those processes and give a really nice client experience to their clients. Because in my experience, what an advisor wants to focus on is the conversation that they are having with the client yeah. that's what the client is valuing from them the advice and the conversation not you need to fill in this information you need to give us this documentation you yeah. need to supply you know not the admin side of it so 
that's where we're always focused on. The other big focus for us as a business that dovetails into that is on adoption and how we support our firms in getting their technology really embedded in the business and adopted really well by their clients. And mm. we see great success in that. And there's a number of reasons for that. One is that advisors have good relationships with their clients. They are trusted by their clients. And yeah. all of Money Info's portals are in the advice firm's brand. Um, they don't. The client doesn't really know who Money Info is. They know it's their advice so firm. So it's a white portal. labeling. It's white labeling, goes a bit further than that. And they also have branded apps for iPhone and Android as well. So they've yeah. got their own app store presence. The clients can download their app. Yeah. They've got it on their smartphone. And they get really good engagement from that. Um, and also advisors have lots of data about their clients. So when they first present the portal to their client, it's got their information on there. It's got their portfolio, their assets on there, might have their property on there. It's got everything that the advisor has gathered previously about them automatically fed in. So it feels like home when they get in there. Yeah, they sure. Recognize it. So yeah. with the white labeling, do you, you know, is that is it the case that you're you're sacrificing a little bit of brand recogni recognition, you know, in order to create that sort of homely proprietary effect? Um we are, I suppose, but we're not precious about that. This is okay. about ensuring that, you know, the success for us is that, that, that Money Info is adopted well by the firms that are using it and it's delivering business yeah. benefit for them and that their clients are enjoying using it and getting the benefit out of it as well. And it needs to be under the brand of the advice yeah. firm to do that. Um, and it needs to be mobile. It needs to be an app on their phone as well. So um, we're quite unique in that, that we provide branded apps for all of our advice firms. How easy is the actual process of white labeling I mean, in terms of the branding i mean mm -hmm. if i if i sit here and think about the number of times as a journalist someone has sent me a, a jpeg with the image of the, the logo of their firm mm -hmm. uh to me and it's not big enough it's terrible yeah. uh terribly sized i mean how do you actually do that what's the process for so we, going to your client and saying we handhold our firms through that some firms, some bigger firms will have marketing departments, full okay. guidelines for their branding, how you can use their logo, different sizes, all the different formats we need. Some will come to us and they'll have a logo and they'll go, can you get the colour palette off our website? And that, that's it. And that's fine. We can work with it either way. Um, so if we get a logo in the wrong size, we can sort that out. There's, it's quite easy to, to okay. sort all that kind of stuff out. Um, so we hold their hand through it. We um, take all their branding assets, their guidelines, if they've got them, and we produce a series of mock-ups for them so they get to see what it will look like when it's applied to the portal. Um, and then we go through the process of publishing that brand, and then we publish their apps to the App Store. So we kind of do most of it for them, really. Mm. All they've got to do, really, is tell us what color palette we, we want to use you know give us a, a copy of a logo that we can use we find out what fonts they want if they want a custom font and, and that's it and some firms want to go a little bit further some firms will want to go a little bit more custom a little bit more bespoke and they'll say well we like rounded corners rather than square corners all that stuff is quite easily easily to do through html and css now so okay. um it's it's not a difficult process very good um just wanted to penultimate question to talk about engagement because I, as a journalist, I'm really, really interested by the various mixed messages that I think the consumer marketplace gets on on engagement and responsibility uh, when it comes to money. Um, and we talked about this in our sort of chat earlier. But for listeners at home, I think when I started as a journalist, I I had sort of there were two major policy initiatives on on in my inbox. The first was. Uh, auto enrolment plans for which had been around for quite some time under the pensions minister at the time, Steve Webb. And the whole idea, obviously, there was uh, inertia that people shouldn't have to engage 
in in an in-depth way to get a, a really decent outcome for their retirement and that was a specific response to really low savings ratios in the UK and people's uh, you know, lack of uh, engagement with things like pensions and investments too, but also you know higher levels, really high levels of consumer debt, which latterly remains a huge, huge problem. Then just park, park that to one side a second. Then you've got your pension freedoms, where the chancellor stands up and says, you know, look, this is your money. You do with it as you wish. Uh, we're opening the gate for you to make decisions about your cash that you've saved. And I think, in a way, it does fit together. You know, it's not a completely incoherent jigsaw. But there is a bit of tension there between those two kind of fundamental philosophies. One of telling people to disengage during the accumulation phase and then telling them suddenly, perhaps when they're most most vulnerable, to engage and make decisions. And obviously, at that point in their lives, that's where an advisor can provide so much value in terms of pointing them in the right direction. But also, as you say, uh, warning them about scams and the sorts of problems that you know that they may be faced with from some more nefarious uh, sides of the marketplace. I'm wondering whether is there a sweet spot there between engagement and disengagement that client portals and and the tech that you and others provide, uh, you know, sort of aims to uh, not exploit but sort of take advantage of that. There's there's so much that you can engage your client with, but there's also uh, there's also stuff you don't want them to engage with. And has Money Info made a specific decision about where that line is and, and whether it wants the sort of advisor to cross it or not? So for us, engagement with the client is is all about peace of mind, really. That's what most clients are looking for when they go to advisor. They want peace of mind. They want mm. someone to get them organized and they want someone to tell them that they are making the right decision and to help them with those decisions. Um, and that's where Money Info can help engage that client because... All of us really have the same problem. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're from necessarily. We've all got lots of things to do with our finances at home. Yeah, and in, time. In a bag for life under the stairs, you know, yeah. sitting on the top of the piano, just, you know, gathering dust. We don't know where it is when we need it. We're disorganized. And that, that you know, doesn't give us that peace of mind because when we need it in that moment that matters, we can't find it. Whether that's a bump in our car, a burglary at home, uh, a death in the family, you know, that's when we need access to that information and we need it quickly and we need it easily. So the ability to bring all that together for an advisor, to bring all that together for their client, for the client to be able to put the stuff on that's also meaningful to them, that's that they consider financial, that necessarily the advisor's not looking after, but they've got insurances, they've got home insurance, car insurance, they've got bank accounts, they've got credit cards, they've got mm. things that they, you know, savings accounts that their advisor doesn't look after. All of that is their money. To have all that organized and to be able to see it online 24 seven, gives them that peace of mind because when that something happens when they need that information yeah. the one thing all of us these days have with us pretty much all of the time probably too much of the time sometimes is our smartphone mm. and if we can access that information yeah. on our smartphone then that's the peace of mind we get and then alongside that we're finding that a big sweet spot is around financial paperwork and documentation you know this profession produces huge amounts of paperwork that it has to send out to its clients that they don't necessarily want or need at the point that they're sent them yeah. but if you can send that through your app they get a push notification on their mobile they know that they've received it from you they know that you've stored it securely and safely in the right place where they know where to find it um, that's huge and of course 
push notifications make us log into things and then when we log into things we start to engage with other information that we might see on there so we might start mm. to look at our portfolio or we might decide we're going to add our property because we want to track its value through land registry data you know that's when you start to build up that engagement and trust and when your client has that moment that matters and they use your app to deal with that, to get their insurance policies, uh, to get the information that they need. Their family has access to their in case of emergency information if anything happens. That's when, when your service becomes mm. really, really sticky. Um, and that's the huge benefit to, to advisors. Um, really fascinating to hear you talk about push notifications and people engaging with that. I mean, do you have analytics, you know, sort of an, uh, an ability to ana- uh, analyse how people engage with the app and... We you do. Know, which um, bits are most popular? Unsurprisingly, we've seen a huge growth in mobile over sure, uh, yeah. over the last few years. That's that's uh, as in all walks of life, it has superseded desktop. You know, um, logins to the portal. Uh, we're seeing how people are engaging. You know, one of the most popular things that clients add on to Money Info is their house because they get its value. They it tells them when they purchased it and what they paid for it. Tells them what it's likely to be worth today using land registry data. Some of them, I suspect, suspect put their neighbour's property on down the road to see what that one's going for as well. <laughs> you know, we love our property in the UK. Don't Keeping we? up with the Joneses. Um, then they'll start to put their documentation against yes. that. You know, so you can see the adoption that happens as they start to engage more and more with the portal um, and the types of devices that they're using and how they're accessing it. Um, And then we get some nice anecdotal stories from our advice firms. Um, One, for example, is a client put his family recipes into the document storage area of Money Info. What was in his cooking? His family recipes, because to him, that was precious. That was something he wanted to keep safe. How interesting. So that's lovely because... You know, advisors can't predict that, but what they do know from that behaviour is oh, this client is really engaged with our service yeah, and our yeah, portal. Yeah. So there are some lovely stories starting to come out like that that clients are using. That's true, and it, it challenges the sort of traditional notion of what an asset is and what value is, yeah. doesn't it? That's, that's yeah. really interesting. Uh, interesting to hear too about people putting their uh, neighbours' houses on the yeah. on the app. I mean, as as a famous American poet Robert Frost uh, once said of course said, I know him very don't well. ever take a fence down until you know why it was put up food for thought I'm sure for those of you <laughs> looking to get rid of your neighbours and move into their gardens <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, final question for you bit of a personal one um, we like to ask this of people who come into the studio what's your morning moan what's the, the thing you get into the office and you look at and you think oh for god's sake not again it can be anything to do with tech, you know, things going wrong, people misunderstanding the product. You I'm, know. I'm not a big moan, I have to say. I like to you don't you strike know, me remain positive moan. at all times, okay. I think, Oliver. I think that's the way to be. <laughs> um, the bane of my life probably is email because I get too many of them. And, okay. you know, they're very difficult to keep on top of. Agreed. But I can't say it makes me shout out loud. I think, you know, you've got to approach life in everything you do with enthusiasm, haven't you? So yeah. um, I don't think I have too many, too many moans to... How nice to have a happy-go-lucky guest. Totally. For once. That's me. Um, thank you so much for <laughs> pleasure. that. Pleasure. Um, an enormous thanks to you, Tessa, for joining me today. Uh, a pleasure to have you in and indeed on. If you have enjoyed this episode or indeed any of our other ones, do subscribe on iTunes where you can see our entire back catalogue on topics as diverse as scams and schemes, news and reviews, and indeed the longer form stuff too, about stuff that matters to your business. We are just about all out of time for this week, but join us again for another episode of Planning People where we'll no doubt be putting the world to rights. But until then, it's thanks for me and goodbye. Thank you.